I'm joking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Please be seated. <laughs> oh, God. Everybody's afraid now if you cough. <laughs> oh, God. One of, my, one of my sweethearts was just telling me now that, that she, as she was coming to church, she coughed. That the guy driving the taxi just started praying in tongues. <laughs> And it was so funny, but really, the way the fear is going around, you know, you guys shut down. Any group that's giving you over information, shut down. Ha. Now come and kill yourself before the real death. Okay. So, I was also talking to leaders. Who are there leaders in the house this morning? So we can talk freely, right? Okay. So I want to share a few things, um, and then I'll give you a few of the technicalities, what I call technicalities of leadership. Um, but I want to start with the basics. When it comes to ministry, one of the things I've learned about being a leader, I know that this leadership training or this leadership retreat, if you listen very clef- carefully, everything that we say here can be used also at the office, can be used in your business, can be used with anything you're doing in your life. But I also want you to remember that the, the very purpose for which you're here is first to do ministry. That's what you're first called to do, okay? You're first here to serve God. Every other thing is secondary. So you seek first the kingdom of God, and then every other thing is added to you. But I found out that when it comes to being a, a leader in ministry, I mean, ministry is the only thing that requires both your body, your soul, and then your spirit. Only ministry. You can walk in the office and not be born again, and you'll be fine. You can walk with just your mind. Your spirit is fine. You can walk in an office and never lift a finger. Don't do anything physical and you're fine. Or you can walk somewhere where all you're using is your body. So maybe you're driving. You know, sometimes driving can be mindless. Driving can be very mindless sometimes. You just drive. You're already on auto cruise. You know the road. You know where to pass. You know. So you, you can just be using your body. You're not using your mind. You're not using your spirit. But when it comes to ministry, it requires body soul and spirit that's why sometimes so if especially if you're someone who ministers um who maybe teaches or ministers in song you notice that sometimes maybe you have led worship or something when you come down or you've preached that's why people that preach i'm sure people who preach will understand this better so on sunday especially if you get to do if you've ever done the three services on sunday and then maybe you now have to do ldm Maybe I've stood in for Pasquale like that. By the next morning, you know you don't know your name. If they ask you who are you, you won't know. That's why sometimes, I, I mean, for me, I'm always so tripped by the fact that after preaching three services, Pasquale can still greet people outside. If you notice, any day that I preach like that, I don't talk to him. I don't come and talk to people, but I don't talk like that again. <laughs> like, there's no more talk left in me. There's no energy. I'm drained mentally. I'm drained spiritually, and then I'm drained physically. Sometimes you feel like somebody beats you, like you just finished fighting. That's how bad it can be. That's how intense it can be. So if you are going to do ministry, and you're going to do it successfully, you have to develop every side of you. So the first thing that you must do as a leader is to develop yourself. The ministry or the leadership assignment you've been given can't grow beyond you. It can't grow beyond you. When God was going to create leaders under Moses, he said he, the Bible says that he said he would take from Moses' spirit and put on them. Imagine Moses not have spirit. So basically what he's saying is if you're a leader, you're going to produce after your kind. So if you are not a strong leader, you are going to produce weak leaders. If you are not a spiritual leader, you are going to produce weak spiritual leaders. Okay? So you have to make up your mind that you develop every part of you. And I'm going to take it it in bits, okay? I'm going to take it in bits. Number one, your body. Your body, I said this when I was teaching um, Back to Eden. Your body is your most important weapon on this earth. In this earth, your body in this earth is more valuable than your spirit. I dare say it. Because if your body is not functioning, you cannot be here. The legal, the thing that keeps you legal on this earth is your body. If your body is not working, 
then you go back to heaven because you can't reside here without a, without a body. Any spirit here without a body is illegal here. That's why demons are illegal. That's why Satan had to use the body of a snake. So your body is important. You need to take care of your body. You need to exercise. You need to eat well. All these, I can eat anything. I drink three bottles of Coke. Anyhow, our family with nothing they do us. You are joking. You're messing with your body. You need to exercise. You need to eat right. You must take care of your body. God needs your body on this earth. He needs your body to do the work. God can't come down from heaven and do it. No. He needs to walk through you as a person. A leader whose body is not functioning. If your body is even paining you, hmm, you can't do ministry well. Ah, if your body is paining, you can't do ministry well. If you're exhausted all the time, you can't do ministry well. So you must eat well, drink water, exercise, and rest. Uh, I know I, I, I repent. I'm the one that's most guilty of that thing, not resting. But I've come to realize that if God rested, he was showing us something. He was telling us that you need to take a break. That's why so many people are burnt out in ministry. When Elijah called down fire from heaven, did all the, the many stunts he was going to do, and he entered into burnout, he ran from Jesus. He ran from one woman. Someone that called fire from... Is it not to call fire and to just burn her as well? He was tired. Did you notice that when he ran, when the angel came to minister to him, did you notice that they did not tell him, let's pray in tongues. I will hold your hand and pray in tongues. What did they tell him to do? Eat. Sleep. Watch Netflix. <laughs> they say play PS. Play. Told him Rest. He woke up again. He said, eat again. He said, the journey. You see, the reason why you need to rest also is because the journey is still far. Except this where you are ending. But if you know you have many years of ministry, many, many years of impact ahead of you, then you need to rest. You need to take it easy. You know, sometimes it's okay to shut. I always tell people, I don't know why. If you shut down your phone, you know, do you know you won't die? They have made us believe that if you don't touch your phone, you will die. Now, let's assume that they say that coronavirus is contracted through phone. Which, by the way, is the, the, I think is the way it is actually contacted. Because it is through your phone that you are getting all the information that is putting fear in your heart, that is opening the door for coronavirus to come in. But if, that's, if they said that, that there's a virus, that if you touch your phone before 12, 12 noon, you know that people will stop, will stop carrying their phones. But when you wake up, the first thing you do is, well, carry your phone. The first thing you do is carry noise. Because the minute you put on your phone, the world just starts making noise. Somebody's sending broadcasts. Somebody's asking you for something. Somebody's reminding you of something. Somebody's criticizing you of something. Somebody's showing you how well they are doing so you feel bad about your own something. As in, it's just a cycle. Rest. Shut down. The world won't stop moving, no. Bible says that God rested. If God can rest and the world is still in motion, then my brother, you can rest. You can rest. If in that department, if you have to be present there for anything to happen, you're doing a very bad job. Very bad job. So you must rest. Take care of your body. As a leader, you must take care of your body. Take care of your body. One of the things that I tell people, I say, this is not the year to die, yo. Ah, this year is going to be sweet. Forget all these coronavirus things that are happening. The things that are ahead. The things that are coming. It's nothing compared to all these things that we're seeing. The things like the glory that is coming. So you need to rest. Eat well. Exercise. Sleep. Sleep. Sleep, oh. Hmm. Sleep is so important. And apart from that, another thing I need to address, which isn't part of my note, but as I was walking in, I don't know, somebody like this and ministered to me. I almost fell under the anointing. Leaders, we need to be more attentive to our bodies. Bath now. It's not part of the message, but I think it's a leaders meeting. I need to talk about some of these things. You'll be talking to people and they're moving back. It is not because you are anointed. Your mouth is smelling. So please brush, use mint. I'm saying this thing, you know, and, and unfortunately, because we're in a church of hoggers, 
and the oil flows from the head. If your senior pastor is a certain way, it naturally flows down. You know, Pastor K can't talk to you without hugging you. you. Guys, definitely not you, but ladies, you know what I'm saying? He hugs some guys, but not like that. You know what I mean? Like, so we are a warm, we are a family of huggers. We are warm in this place. So you can't really just see somebody and just say, bless you. We don't do it here. Worst case, last, last, guy, how far? Or something, you know? Or you shake somebody or you... You can't really minister effectively if every time you try to show someone the love of God, they don't want to receive it. Amen? So please, let's, let's, let's pay attention. Pay attention. You know, some of these things, eh, I don't, I'm not really, I'm not trying to make fun of anyone, but I believe that some people don't know. And people will not tell you. It's only very few people like me that love you. Yes. I will tell you. I will tell you because I love you, and I'll tell you secondly because you can't beat me. Some people are afraid. They won't tell you your mouth is smelling. They won't tell you. Brush your teeth, brush your tongue. Go and see a dentist. At least twice a year, you should, have, you should do SP, scaling up, but they will remove all those things in between and floss. So you have meat in your teeth from five days. Of course, it will smell. The brush is not getting there. So, and you, know, and you know the sad part is that you may be very anointed. You may have counsel, godly counsel, but they can't receive it. And it's not because people are wicked. Before you leave your house, we live in a humid, very hot nation. Use deodorant. It's not a sin. It's not a sin, really. I know some people think perfume is a sin. It's not. It's not a sin. God created sweet-smelling things. So please, ladies, under the wig... Should I go there? Please. Whatever is under, please make sure it's also clean. Because contrary to what you think, covering it is not enough. It smells. So I'm going to tell you, the guys may not tell you because they are toasting you, but you're smelling. Do you understand? Are we okay? So let's not waste too much time there. Praise God. Praise God. So please always have a fresh mint. Have a hanky on hand. When you're sweating, clean it. Don't shake somebody with sweaty, grubby palms. You know, those things are not nice. And then they'll say they don't respect pastor. They respect you. They just don't want to tell you what the real issue is. Okay? Praise God. The next thing that you need to work on developing is your soul. And your soul is so important because it's where your emotions are. Is where your decisions are made. Is where your thoughts come from. It's where your mind is, basically, okay? So it's very important. It's also where capacity is built. And one of the things I've learned over time is, sometimes people start out well in ministry or in leadership. But what happens is that they stop growing. And it's usually a mind issue. You're not developing your mind. So many people, you know, I... I, I don't know if it's Bishop Oyedeko that said this once, that God gave you a mind so he can rest. Your mind is for thinking. You know how people shut down their minds and then they come to church and think that I will just pray in tongues and that makes me a good leader. No, it doesn't. Your mind should be working as well. It says you will serve the Lord with your prayers, your passion and what? Your intelligence. Message translation. With your intelligence, your mind is one of your greatest weapons in the kingdom of God. One of your greatest weapons. So you must build your mind. The same way you use your mind in the office, use it in church. So there's a problem, solve it. Think about it and solve it. This is where you should invest more than anywhere else. So I see people who are doing great in their offices, they come here and they are waiting to be told everything. So use your mind. And you know, you, you, another thing about this is that you must understand that you, your mind is so important because you need to think about the people you are ministering to. What makes you a leader is that people are following you. John Maxwell says, if not, you are just taking a walk. If nobody is following you, you are wasting your time. You say you are a leader because they put you in position. No. Like Pastor K said, that's the lowest level. It's the lowest level. I remember when I first got married to Pastor K, and I can't remember what it was, but one morning, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, people will not love you because you are the pastor's wife. He said, you will love them because you are the pastor's wife. And in time, 
they will get to love you. And, and I didn't first understand it. And then God said, why do you love me? He said, the Bible tells you clearly why you love me. You love me because I first loved you. So you can't, you, your, your first assignment as a leader is not to, I want people to respect me. Of course not. It's to serve. When you serve and you love these people and they see that you are ready to lay down your life for them, they will love you and follow you easily. So if you, are, if you know that you are, your job as a leader is to serve people, then you must know the people that you're serving. And there are different generations that we are in right now. And the, one of the most challenging for me are the millennials. And I know you are plenty here. But if you do not use your mind, you can't work with millennials. You can't just say, this is what the Bible says, go and do it. Millennials. They don't respect anybody. They don't fear anybody. They don't listen to anybody. And you must tell them why. And they are why. You see what annoys me about millennials? Because there are two generations that we are facing now. There are the millennials and then there are the Gen Zs. The Gen Z is actually asking why because they want to know why. The millennials are asking why to show you that they know more than you. So you are faced with two, two different um, levels of, in fact, different types of generations that you are leading. We were easy to lead. If you tell us the Bible said, before you even finish what the Bible said, we have taken it. But this generation, first of all, they don't even believe in God. Them and God are mates. They can at Jesus, at Jesus and tweet. So you, you actually have to study. You have to study what you are saying to be sure it's correct. You have to study the people that you are saying these things to and people that you are supposed to lead. You have to understand them to be able to lead them. You can't. Just don't be shouting at them. They'll just be looking at you. Our generation shouts, we go, they're okay. The shouts is an honor and a privilege. I'm your unprofitable servant. Those were the scriptures we used to quote then. But now you're shouting at them as what? Exactly. The veil has been torn. We have access to God as well. So please, why are you shouting at me? What do you know that I don't know? Is this not this Bible? Which translation are you even reading? I'm reading TPT. I'm reading The Voice. I'm reading them. They will be calling translations you didn't even know existed. Because they have you version on their phone. They've not even meditated on it. They've not told, but they can argue. So your mind has to be working. You cannot do mindless leadership or mindless Christianity. Those days are gone. So you must develop yourself. Any assignment you are given, you must know the work, then know your work inside. I'll just listen when Pastor came, um, just before I came up, and I said to him that I didn't, I didn't have too many leadership trainings, you know, I did a couple of them, but there's one I will never forget. I will never forget that one. After Pastor Peter passed on, I, I must have shared this maybe once or twice, or at least to people that are close to me. After Pastor Peter passed on, Pastor Peter was, for those of you who don't know, he was the pastor who started ministry with Pastor K. So he was Pastor K's associate at the time. So when I got married, he was the person that I met on ground. He was the one really, he was COO, HR, admin pastor, resident pastor, ministry pastor, Amor Biera. He was everything. Everything. I've never seen anybody so dedicated. You can't tell him anything bad about Pastor K. You know when, when I see our pledge anthem that says faithful, loyal, and honest? That was the description of Pastor P. He ran accounts. He ran designs. He would design, then he would go and print. As in everything. He did everything. If you want to do something and you want to be sure you've not failed with Pastor as in Pastor P taught me how to be Pastor K's wife. So if there's anything that I need, if Pastor K gives me an assignment, I go ask Pastor P. If Pastor P tells you that it's okay, uh-uh, you have end points. By the time you just reach Pastor K, you just be feeling cool that Pastor K is going to praise you because... And if Pastor P tells you it's not good, and you say, what does he know? And Pastor K is done with you, eh? It's still Pastor P that will put you back together again because you'll be umpty-dumpty. <laughs> God. So... After some years in the ministry, I met him. I came in 2005. He died in 2008. So I was with him for about three years. But at the time, when, when he was on board, I was just Pastor K's wife. I wasn't doing anything, you know. I just come to church, hear the word like everybody else, and go home. Mind my business. 
I wasn't even ministering. Like, I see people outside, want to greet me. Well, I'm going to see Pastor P. What's my business? Pastor P, we counsel you. He had time for people. You know, he was such a shepherd. So him and Pastor K were doing so well together. What's my business? My own is just to be Pastor K's wife and stay on my own. But in 2008, he went to be with the Lord. And so in that period, in that season, it was about a week after he died, I was in the room alone. And, you know, we're also, at that time, we're all still asking why. I mean, all of us were asking why, apart from Pastor K, who moved on quickly and said, ah, he's, Pastor P is free now. Now we did here, also. <laughs> but I was so, God, why would you take him? We need him. Why would we take him? You know, I was just in that, that, that mental state, and I was in the room. And while I was lying down, Pastor P walked into the room. And so he walked, but it wasn't a scary sight. It wasn't a fearful experience. He just walked into the room like he was Pastor P. And so he walked up to me and said, um, so I said, ah, Pastor P, what's the meaning of this now? He now said, it's now time for you to step into my shoes. I said, which shoes? I beg, I beg, no, tell me nonsense. You won't make person wear your shoes, now you know, stay. Don't even, I was now shouting. He smiled and he said, he said, all this, your shouting cannot work again. He said, but you're going to listen to me because this is what you will do. He said, number one, whatever this man tells you, do it with all your heart. He said, follow this man faithfully. He said, don't be familiar. Ah, that's the first time I heard that thing. He said to me, do not be familiar. He's your husband, but he's your pastor. Anything he tells you to do, do it. He said, he's a visionary. Pastor K will declare the vision and he will move immediately. Say, your job is to look behind and check if people are following. And if they don't understand the assignments, break it down into tiny bits until they get it. He said, but your eyes must be on him and you must keep following. That day was my, I'm still shaking from the experience. That day was the most impactful leadership training I've ever had in my life. That someone who had crossed the other side came back to tell me that these things, they work if you only do them. If you only do them. I wrote them down. I wrote them down just for writing's sake. And to prove like he knew, he probably knew that Pasquale wouldn't believe me. So he told me some other things. So I said to him, I don't know anything. Oh, me, I just came home. And when you were here, I wasn't doing anything. He now said, no, you can't say that. Oh. I've written everything down for you. The history of church, the history of this, blah, blah, blah. And told me where it was. Another thing he did, he said, tell Pastor K, there's a check in so-so-and-so place that is for the church. It was post-dated, but it is ready to be cashed now. So I told Pastor K, when I was telling Pastor K the whole story, he was looking at me. I said, then he said, there's a check. He said, now, 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 no, say, you see Pastor K. <laughs> because at the time, the ministry needed to pay for something so important. At that time, you know how it was a project season too. There was something we were about to pay for. I think it was this land. I think we needed to pay something for this land at that time. I can't remember. And then he said, he said, <laughs> he said, just tell Pastor K. He will know where it is. I told Pastor K. Pastor K walked straight to the wardrobe, opened it. The first suit he put his hand, he brought it out. $6,400. Check. It doesn't sound like a lot of money now, but trust me. 2008 in Davis Christian Center. <laughs> ah. It was as if God himself came down from heaven. And that is one of the most impactful, like, this is somebody who has labeled. He didn't come back and say, all these things when they do, now waste of time. I just offer myself. Like, say, I'm not for the group. He came back to tell me. He said, make sure you follow faithfully. And one of the things Pastor, and he told me, he said, remember everything I told you. One of the things Pastor P always said, was know the work and know your work. If as a leader, you know what we are doing in David's Christian Center, you don't just think that we are carrying chair. You're in sanctuary. What are you doing? Say you're carrying chair. No. There's something we are here. There's a reason why God instituted David's Christian Center. There's an assignment we have. You need to know the assignment. Then what you ask yourself is, what is my own assignment inside that large assignment? If you know that, your leadership will be very easy. Very easy. You're not here to create the will. There's already a will. 
You're not here to create the assignment. There's already an assignment. You're not here to create a mission. There's already a mission and a vision. You just need to understand it and be able to break it down. So for the last 15 years that I've been here, I've been working like somebody who knows that I can be called home at any time, even though I know I'm not going to call home at any time. Do you understand? But I've been living my life with purpose. So anything that anything Pastor K says we are going to do, I carry it on my head, not because it's my husband. People make that mistake. He say, you're a great pastor's wife. I'm, see, in, I, I tell them all the time, in this church, there's no office of the pastor's wife. There's no office of, I'm not doing the things I do because Pastor K is my husband. No. If I was just a member of this church, I would work this hard. You have to give it 100. You know why? Because we are all serving God. It's not Kingsley Christian Center. It's not. And we are a family. You know, this thing, someone Pastor K was saying that a lot of times, um, a lot of times that people, when they remove you from one position, you are angry, you say you are leaving. It, the thought will never occur to me to leave a place. You know why? Because when you are in a church, it is your family. It's a church family. It's not just a place you attend. It's your own. So let's say light bulb is not working in your house. And your father says, because you've not been changing the light bulb, I'm going to tell your younger brother to start changing. You don't say you are going to change name. That's what you are saying. That because they told you, don't sit here at dining table, sit here. You say you are not going to be eating in this house again. In fact, you are leaving this family. That's what you are saying when you say you are angry in your department. So you want to change church. Those things don't even, I don't know, they don't, they don't add up to me. It is the consciousness that this is your family that will make you a great leader. That is your family. There's no, and if it's bad, it's our fault. We will sit down here together and repair it. Not, I don't know what they are doing there. But you've been here, see, they ask you your church, they this kind of stuff. if they say you should bring somebody to, what's that thing they always ask you for when you get work? Thank you. Reference. You'll now be looking for Pastor M up and down. Meanwhile, you've disowned me that the church is not good. It's your church. If it's bad, it's your fault. If it's good, it's your fault. So you need to make up your mind to make it work. So the same way you put everything into your office, put everything, this is your first office. When you get to heaven, they're not going to ask you, oh, well done, you worked in Union Bank for four years. Or you worked in a Access Bank for 28 years. Well done, come and take this crown. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's going to do that. It is how well you served in the place God put you. Because people don't know, God puts you in a place. You are planted. It is only the one that is planted that bears fruits. So we will be confessing the scripture. I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The tree doesn't walk about to. That tree is planted by the rivers of water. It's planted where he hears the word. Water is the word. He's hearing the word. It's planted there. That's where there's reward. Not that you're walking about. Tree will just stand up, walk, go there. Waka come here. Waka come here. They walk about. He says it will receive reward. Very funny. So we're quoting scriptures, but we're not thinking about it. So you must work on your mind. Read books. They put you somewhere. They put you in charge of something. Read books. Do you know that there's no, there's no assignment that you've been given, to, given today that somebody else has not done? If you search hard enough, you'll see that in other churches, somebody has done it, especially abroad, they've done it. They've written the book. They've written all the mistakes they've made and all the things they did at work. All you have to do is study it and then make it fit into your role and your assignment and this family. That's all. It's not rocket science. A lot of the things, a lot of the th- assignments I've been given in this church over the years are things I had to go and learn by myself. I had to sit down and ask myself, so this is what we're supposed to be doing. So how do we do it? I built systems of this church by, from scratch by myself. Nobody taught me. I just took what Pastor P had and said, this thing is not working again because we're growing bigger. And now that the restructuring, that's what they did too. They just took from where I stopped and said, oh, this is not working anymore. We're bigger. And they expanded it. We're doing good. And the next person too that will come will tell Pastor Maka, you're too stressed. Pastor Maka, please sit down. Let me serve you too, ma. And take it from there. She's saying amen at the back. <laughs> I'm saying amen for you too. So it's very important. Very important that you work on your body, work on your mind. Build your capacity. My prayer for you is that you will never be spoken about in past tense. Amen. Say, ah. 
If you know when Pastor Jethro was, but even in the example, I can't use you. I reject it. You know when Pastor Efain was Pastor Efain. Kai. If you know that time, man, when they walk out, come people, they fall under the anointing. Are you too? He'll be saying it that you know those days. It's just now. It's just now. You're not ashamed to say it. That you moved backwards. In the kingdom, we don't move backwards, though. We shine brighter and brighter. So we get better and better. So if you were passing and people were falling under the anointing before, tomorrow when you pass, they should, the dead should be rising up. The next thing is your spirit. This work is spiritual. If I tell you that just using your mind will make it work, is a lie. God is a spirit. If we are doing God's work, we must do it by the spirit of God. But interestingly, like the example I said to you before, when God was going to anoint leaders, he took from Moses' spirit. Because you need the spirit of the head of this house to make the work in this house move. So you can't use strange fire to work here. You can't be a leader here. You're not listening to Pascal's messages. Where are you? So what are you? I don't even, I don't even know where to start from. I can't even know where to help you from. There's a spirit in this house. Interesting is a spirit of ease. We don't struggle unnecessarily here. But we have results. There's a way it works. If you listen to the messages constantly, you soak it up. You are watching. You know, when I first got married to Pastor King, we used to do, we used to do a lot of... Um, there's this, they used to do this um, winners, pastors. They used to do these pastors' conferences then. I don't know what it's called now, Sha. But we used to go a lot. And I noticed one thing about Pastor King. Now, apart from that, anywhere we go, if, for instance, Bishop Edipo is ministering somewhere... And Pasquale and I go there. Pasquale doesn't even really focus on writing his notes. So, Pasquale will be looking at him like this. If the man's coming, be looking at him, looking at him. I say, wait, see, why they look the man like that? <laughs> but you know, it's now I understand that there's, you know, there's a way you will look at. You will, you will soak up. So other while I was saying, look, he wasn't looking at him. He wasn't looking at his, yeah. He was soaking up his spirit. He was looking at his every move. How he does his hand. How he holds his mic. How he stands. How he laughs. How he looks. Everything. He's soaking up everything. That's how you should be. That's how you should be. It got to a state. In fact, till now, if I tell you something, eh, I can guarantee you that if you're going to be pastor, I'll tell you the exact same thing. Because I've soaked him up. Not because he's my husband, he's my pastor. Because, I, you know, sometimes I don't really like to teach at these kind of meetings because people will say, where do you go talk with your husband? I do not treat him as my husband. It's not because I'm not a rude person that we've not had the first fight. It's because I'm married to my pastor. And I can't insult my pastor. I can't talk to my pastor anyhow. It's not because I don't have bad mouth. I have. Intense one. Me, I know. And for the last couple of days, God has been saying that we purge it, but I'm pushing it to the, the 40th day. I will obey later, Lord. No procrastination. But as in, I'm trying to tell you that before I'm that kind of person, because I, it's in church that I talk. I don't talk a lot. So when I talk, eh, it's a compilation of multitude of words. So when it lands, you feel the talk, pa, 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 pa. when that my own land, boom, you will feel it. The fight is over. Okuagun. That's it. So it's not like I don't, I can't, I can't talk when he's talking. But there's something on him that I need. This is where I feed. This is where I feed. You, you can quarrel with your husband and come to church and be blessed. If I quarrel with my husband, if I come to church, I can't be blessed. So you need to understand that. So when I'm saying these things, I'm saying there's something on him I want. Pastor K has grace. If anybody can tell you as grace, I will tell you. Because I live with him. And that's what deceives a lot of people. So it looks like he's not doing anything. Wait till they do what I know if he do. Not being they play game. Just they talk to people. They play game. They put video. Some people they put video. Only then they view them. <laughs> it's not by video. The man is graced. There's grace on his life. So you can't be here except you are disconnected. And listen to me, let me warn you leaders. This year there will be a lot of disconnections. That scripture that says all things are now ready. Remember that those ones, they just collected one, one blessing. And they went away with that one blessing. 
I married me a wife. Just wife. We have laid down a buffet of blessings for you. You can take other things. But you are so stupid to think that you've done enough, you've accepted enough, you've received enough. So I know what I know. I'm waiting for scared to do what I know if you do safe. Waiting to do for this is it. I'll just go down the road and start my own and call it Jonathan's Christian Center or Daniel's Christian Center or on a DCC. It's not by abbreviation. That's not what makes a church work. Pascal has been teaching, teaching relationship for years. I don't know. I don't know. But I believe there are other people who teach relationships as well. What makes the difference? Grace. Is he doing anything extra? No. No. Some people are even offended because you come say no open Bible. You go gist. go crack joke. You go waka go here. Go wear hoodie. Go wear matching. Yellow, yellow, yellow. If you like bath with yellow, it's not by yellow. It's grace. You can't be under this kind of man. The Bible says that the oil flows from the head down his beard to the skirts. And you are here. He tell you, you say it's my friend. Pascal is my friend. It's my friend. He will chat with you, say, yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> God. Even me, I the answer, answer. Then a the 21-year-old, if no be, if no be education, I go burn you. Go tell her, yeah. He will say you should do something, say, yeah. I didn't come for millennials today. I have the day for you people. So your spirit is needed for this work. You can't play with praying. You can't play with, with the spirit of discernment. You can't play with those things. As much as you are managing your emotions, because managing your emotions is so important, leaders are generally very insecure. Because we, we like to be worshipped, very insecure. So when you have already settled into a position and they move you out, there's a way you used to pain you. See, it's your spirit man that will help you. Because once your spirit is strong, other things start to get stronger. So praying in tongues, how are you not praying? How are you a leader and not praying? How? How? How do you know what God is saying? How do you know how to deal with people? Because what God may, you see, that's the thing about leadership. I learned over the time that God may bring Jethro and Diche to me. And Diche and Jethro will do the same thing. God will say, shout at Diche, pet Jethro. Be, and if you do it, if you flip it, if you decide, no, Diche looks gentle now. Let me pet a girl like this. Then don't, Shouldn't he know better? You've been destructive. Watch, you start shouting at him. You would destroy him and her. Because it's God that created them. And God knows where everybody is per time. So it's God that can tell you what to do in this situation. And it's never, in ministry, it's never one size fits all. Never. 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 So if you think... That's uh, uh, me, I know what to do. I'm strategic. Very strategic. I use my mind in the office. We have this policy. See, when it comes to God's work, you must first realize that it's God's work. So it must be done by God's rules and God's order. And the only way to hear God is prayer. And when I'm saying prayer, I'm just saying blasting tongues. I'm saying, sit down, you're praying, and hear God. I don't understand how you say you prayed, and you, you come out of that prayer not, not knowing what God said you should do about a, 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 an issue. That's not prayer. It's not many hours you blast in tongues. As a leader, your spirit must be alive. You must be walking with the three. Body, soul, spirit. It must be walking. There's no way around it. It must be walking. It has to work. You have to be able to hear God. You have to know how to put people in the right places. And that's what I'm going to end with. I'm going to end with team dynamics. How to pick the right teams. As a leader, you can't work without teams. If not, you'll be a good person but a bad leader. If you've been in a role for one year, you must at least be able to bring two people that you have reproduced like you. You must be able to show me two people that if anything happens now, they can do your work. You must give me at least two people. One year, 365 days, you haven't poured into anyone. Nobody has found you inspirational enough to follow. Where's your spirit from your starts from your spirit? Start from your spirit. You must be able to discern that this one, this one, no. Maybe this person made this mistake. This is Peter. He's just having a bad day. This one, Judas. You must be able to know that this person will do this work well. Even though it looks like the person is not serious yet, if I pour and invest prayer, time, counsel, study of the word, this person, ah, when I'm done, this will be James. You should be able to know those things. 
And you can't do it with your brain. Can't. Because man is beyond flesh and blood. Man is spirit. That's why God said the heart. I look at the heart. So your spirit must be alert. Study the word. Pray fast, sometimes fast. Like food is not everything. Shut down. Some days shut down and hear God. You can't, you're not natural. Do you understand? So you have to tap into your supernatural side. It's so important as a leader. So important. Let me give you a few practical steps or some other practical steps that can help you um, to lead. To be a good leader, I believe that one of the things you must do is understand team dynamics. In other words, understand how teams work. Because it takes, you know how they say that it takes a team, or rather it takes teamwork to make the dream work. I know you've heard those kind of sayings before. And it's very true. If you're going to go find ministry, you cannot do it on your own. What makes you a leader is that you can see into the future and you have the capacity to carry us from here into that future that you see. So they put you in charge of a department. In the next five years, how would that department be? Or is it just chair you are going to be carrying? The same way they handed you chairs, the way you are going to be carrying it, Jesus come. The same way they gave you envelope, be putting envelope on the chair, that's how you are going to be putting it, Jesus comes. Nothing. No plans to grow your people. No plans to divert. No plans. Nothing. You are not seeing anything. You can't be a leader and no, not see now. Leader means head. And head is where the eye is. Head is where the brain is. Head is where the mouth is. You can't see. You can't think. You can't also talk. No. So you must be able to build a team. Let me tell you a few things that you need to do when you want to pick a team. There are different kinds of teams. And I I saw this from the life of Jesus. Okay? Jesus had different categories of people. So the first set he had are the people I call core. His core. His core team. Those are the people he confided in about everything. Those were the people that he was sharing the vision as it was coming. It hadn't fully formed, but he kept talking to them about it. He took them to the transfiguration. You know, he would take them, he'd say, come away with me. So there were Peter, James, and John. They're never really a large number, but they are the small ones that you're confident. They're the ones that can tell you the truth. The ones that will not be afraid that if they tell you, you'll be angry. Because Peter was the only one that would tell him, instead of you two, ah, why would you wash my feet? Jesus, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Say, in that case, bath me now. Which one be feet? Ukuma, bath me. Nobody else could say anything. The reason why he could was he was his core. John would say, John, it's not, it's not it's John that described himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Because he was very naughty. Very naughty. Now in the fight past, very hot-tempered. If you read the Bible well, you will see these things. But he's the one that could put his head on Jesus' chest. Those are people that are close. Jesus could whisper and close to you. Every team, every leader must have those ones. Because the problem of leadership is people are afraid to tell you the truth. They are the ones that you can be a bit vulnerable to. I can tell them, I never understand where they go, but more they move first. <laughs> be praying, because you know, I'm not really sure. You must have your core. People you can trust. People you know will lay down their lives for you. Those three. And people you know that, not just you, but this work. See, to pick leaders, eh? There are some things I don't play with. Number one, your leaders must love God. Number two, they must love you. People that are working with you, they must love you. Number three, they must love the work. So if anything happens, you know that these people will carry on this work. They will die first than to give it up. So your core is your first, team, first part of that team. You must, they are for relationship, okay? They are for relationship. The second, Jesus had the disciples, the 12. Then there's another level of leadership. So you know, the first, the first is your core. They are the closest. They're usually maybe one or two people or three people max. They're never usually so much, you know? Then you have the other level of leaders. Jesus, Jesus had them. They were disciples. They are not always perfect, but at least they have risen to a level of leadership where you can entrust them with some things. But that, in that level, eh, is where the most betrayal happens. That's where you see the Judases. That level. Well, see, that's where, that's where the Spirit of God will help you because he will show you things. He will tell you things. He will let you into secrets, things you don't know about, if you will ask him. So you have that level. They follow you on assignments. They do things. They are, they are committed, okay? But they're also, that's where you also know they're likely to give you a while or two, but they're usually committed. Then Jesus had the 70. 
that's usually the main, you know, the plenty crowd. So in your department, you have the, the, the first level, that's your core. You have the second level. Those are the, maybe usually the ones that are in charge of, maybe uniform, in charge of, you know, that's the next level. Then the third level is the Boguero, everybody. You know, the other members of the department. From there, you can spot who else can be a leader. From there, you can spot who can replace Judas when he goes, because he will go. You know? Then another important set that Jesus had. Luke 8, verse 1 to 3. Can you give me Luke 8, 1 to 3? Very common scripture. I call them the many others. Jesus had what I call the many others. Okay. He says, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Notice, that second level, they were with him, doing all the work. Verse 2. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits, infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. There are always some people, or rather there should always be some people in your team who can fund the vision. They may not have power for anything else. This is a leader's, leader's meeting, Abby. They may not have power for anything else. So if you say they come and pray 20 hours, they are not there. But you say, oh, we need to pay for this thing for the kingdom. They are the first to sign check while the other people are saying, ba, 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 ba. Jesus was able, what they showed us here, Jesus was able to do ministry. The first verse told us all the things he was doing. He was going about, traveling from place to place. But someone had to pay for the itinerant ministry. So in your teams, there must always be the set of people who when you say, let's pay for this thing, they don't start saying, is it every day we sow? Every day nine be sowing. Wait till I I'll give you an example. Just us girls. I have a group of about 30 women who fund Just Us Girls meetings. So it's not all those ones that I call and say, women, come and sow. I do it just to be polite, though. They don't, after they say, how many people will give? They say, yeah, they don't give it, not, nothing. Then they'll come and fight for gifts. When you put gift, they will, they will be the first to rush. They will take three. Some people will put one in their bag, come and collect and sit on another seat. Some people are paying for it. And those people, they are always blessed, financially, always. They don't argue. Anytime I say, when women worship is coming up, how much are we supposed to pay? Or how much is it going to cost? I'll just say, oh, this, is the amount, this is the budget. They split it among themselves, pay, and we move on. So I don't lose my voice, usually, before women's meeting. I don't. It's before. After God showed me this thing, that there are always many others. They are there. There's Susanna, there's Joanna. And they usually keep going up in the ranks. So you must always have people on your team who can form the vision. If all of you are speaking English... It says by kingdom through prosperity. It's not by speaking English. It's not just by praying in tongues. It is through prosperity that the kingdom will move forward. If you don't have those kind of people on your team, Jesus wouldn't have been able to do anything. He'd have still been in Nazareth doing pong pong pong. He will hammer today. Then tomorrow they will do small fellowship meeting. We won't have heard about him today. So on your team, there must always be people who fund. Then they are the recruiters, the ones I call the recruiters. Andrew. They have an eye for picking the people that will be most vital in your life. Andrew was the one that went to go and bring Peter now. They will always go and they, they, will, they, they are the ones that can spot, oh, there's this girl in this church. I don't think she's doing anything. Do you have any of those kind of people in your department? Don't play with them more. They are very important. If you send them, they might not do anything. But they know everybody else who can do. And their mouth is good at encouraging people to do work. They say, uh, is this this thing Pastor M said you should do? We have done it now. We have done it, DJ. We have done it. We have done it. See, that reminds me. There's this woman that sits behind you. She's always wearing red. That woman. If she join you for this prayer. Prayer go move. They will never, they will never, uh, what do you say? Say they will do it all. Never. But they know everybody who can help them. And they'll be ginger. There's another person like that in this church. Chike's wife, Vera. Aish. Vera will use mouth and help you walk. She will help you pick the people that will do the work. She'll be gisting with them as they are doing the work. When I first met her, I used to be upset. I said, which can you man be this one? 
Vera, the one I gave you to do since when you say, Mama, but the work is moving now. You know they move, they move. Oh, yeah, wait, Mama, go buy a more for everybody. She's like, <laughs> and that her work, eh? The work will not suffer because as she's standing up, she will say, Blessing, just help me. Bless you, don't nearly finish, you'll just join it. So the work is moving, and she's telling me, See, Pastor, we don't know that girl. I know her, she's my friend. Went to secondary school, wait, I'll go call her for you. She will bring somebody to help you do that work. I don't play with her. If I have assignment, Vera is on my team. Always on my team. She may not head it all, but she will help me organize everybody. And everybody will be okay because she'll be laughing with them, play with them. The work will be moving. If she steps out, you will feel it though. Everybody will just tire one kind. <laughs> she's not doing the work physically, but she's doing it with her mouth and her spirit and her joy that she's spreading. So they are always the recruiters. Don't play with those people. Though. In your mind, your judgmental mind may feel like, ah, this person knows they work. They are, they, are, they are not working, but they are bringing the people that are working. So don't play with them, okay? And then finally, you must focus to know that there are, all the temperaments are important on your team. All. All. Interestingly, almost everyone, almost everyone on my partnership team is a choleric. Almost everyone. Or at least one of their temperament blends is choleric. Because cholerics are driven people. They like targets. They like work. So we'll just come, we'll just be playing. We'll just be speaking English. Just those girls is coming. We can't come and be sweeping floor, but we can pay bills, right? But then what's left? What can we do? What do you need? You need those kind of people on your team. You need the cholerics because they will drive other people. And when you will get distracted, they always keep you back on because you are working. Moving, moving on. That's my mercy. Mercy will say, so moving on, let's get back to what we are doing. Everybody's focused. I can give you names of these people. Because I'm very intentional about building my teams. That's why I always, if I'm given an assignment, it will work because I'm intentional about picking my team members. Very. So what makes you great as a leader are the people who are working with you, not you. The work they do is what makes you shine. On every team, you need a sanguino. Ah, my Vera Vera. Oh, bless her. <laughs> if bless her come everywhere, we'll be happy. We'll just be happy. Why, why are we not working for God that we're happy? We're just frowning. Why? What's going on? Let's be happy. We'll just be smiling. Everybody's happy and we're moving. The work is moving. Very essential for everything. Because the joy of the Lord is what? Strength. So your sanguine is your strength in that team. It will all bring joy. If I'm just getting tired about anything, if I tell Pastor, okay, we go the, the thing will move. Uh-uh. He will tease me, he will yab me, he will just he will play with me, the thing will shall be moving. You need sanguines. You need the phlegmatics. They're the ones that make sure nobody's quarreling. It's okay. We say, no, no, no. say it's okay. We are doing something, it's okay. It's okay. Let's it's okay. It's okay. I don't think it's a mistake that our two resident pastors are phlegmatics. Jethro doesn't want problem. Doesn't want problem. Doesn't want. Mister Yomi, as he even spoken before, I used to talk. <laughs> if you disturb him too much, the thing that is disturbing, he will go and do it for you. You don't want to stand here and open the door. Okay, sit down. He will be open. He doesn't want wala. You need those people on your team, because by the time the sanguine annoys the choleric and fights, because. Choleric wants to work. Sanguine doesn't want to work. It's phlegmatic that says, it's okay. It's okay. Phlegmatic will not do it all. They don't have power for work, but, you know, let there be peace. Then finally, you must have us on your team, the melancholies. <laughs> I'm now becoming a sanguine. Okay, by association. We are the ones that believe in systems. We believe in structure. We believe in things being sustainable. So we are doing this thing today, but tomorrow, call. So we have to plan. And then Sanguine can just wake up today <clears throat> and say that we are doing leadership conference <clears throat> without planning it ahead of time. <clears throat> so you need us to help you every time. Like now, I start shouting, though. We have having faith conference in September. Let's start planning it. This year's Just Us Girls conference has been planned since last year. Do you understand what I'm saying? Since last year, the team, the guest ministers, we've even bought guest ministers' gifts. It's inside a box somewhere. We've locked it, but locked it. 
And if I, he's missing, then I know he's one of you in the room. <laughs> We've planned everything. Thank you, letters are ready. The theme, the songs we're going to sing, the two, everything, prayer point. We're ready since last year. Then they just did leadership meeting today. <clears throat> <laughs> so everybody's important on your team. Everyone. You just need to, as a leader, what you need to do is maximize their strengths and staff their own weaknesses, okay? So every time there's an issue, you can move things around a bit, you know? I won't put, I won't put Diche to spearhead something before she has changed. <laughs> she just said her avai to show you she has not changed. I will not pick a phlegmatic like her to spearhead something. Because she would just, if it's just someone, just say, must we do this thing, Pastor? Can't we just find another way? Just, <laughs> can't we come and kill ourselves? I beg, Pastor, it's, just, it's the same Jesus that died for all of us. We just go to heaven. We'll be all right. See, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. So if you're going to put Diche, you have to join her partner with her. You see, God is not a make. We say, you just put Tokwe. Tokwe, Diche, what's that? No, let's do it. Let's do it. You are too lazy. Let's do it. Stand up, stand up, stand up. So you see, the blend works. But I now know who, even if I'm going to put her in charge of something, I have to put somebody that would be putting fire under her. If I don't want to think about anything, I'll put somebody who has, who is both choleric and melancholy. So, someone like Amaka or Messi. If I give them an assignment, I'm not even going to go into the details. I'm going to say, this is what we want to do, blah, blah, blah. Let me know what you think and send me a full report, detailed report of what you want to do. They will tell me when we should do it, how we should do it, the possible likely mistakes and solution. They will not do all that thing, finish me, I will not come out. And I'll be acting like, um, <clears throat> you know, we had a meeting last night. <laughs> yes, we had a meeting, I gave them assignment. They went to do it. Eh? It's part of it, my brother. That's the phlegmatic in him right there. <laughs> so everyone is important. Anytime we're getting discouraged, we can't do this anymore. Bless, bless we start shouting from the back. Hey, we're okay. So everyone is important on your team. Were you blessed this morning? <laughs> Praise God. Okay, so I believe that. Okay, please be seated. We have questions. So all this thing I say, people don't understand it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ma, one of my leaders doesn't, or, well, answer me when I greet her. How can I handle it? You greet her and continue your work now. You see, the problem with human beings is that we, we like to be noticed. Your job is to greet her. It's her right whether she answers you or not. To be honest, the person may have answered you in her mind. And I'm guilty of it. I'm saying it now. Everyone, the people that are really close to me on my team, when I'm talking to them in the morning, I just say, bless you, they will not say good morning, ma. I say, I don't greet you from my mind, get out. I mean, so I can, the person can be thinking of a lot of things. She might be having tummy ache. She can, anything can just be happening to her that day. That's why she didn't answer you. And if she doesn't like you, then just keep doing what you're doing. It's God that vindicates. Okay? So I don't even see there's no real big issue there. I don't even know if there's anything to handle. There's nothing to handle. You greet her, she doesn't answer. It's okay now. Okay. That's where emotional maturity comes up. It's, no, it's okay. I don't, if I greet people and they don't answer, I don't get upset. I don't even notice. I don't. So when I do my good morning, I move. I'm not really, I'm not greeting you. Are you, are you greeting her because you want to answer? Or you are greeting her out of respect? If you are greeting out of respect, then you've respected her. Move on. I know it's hard, but that's the only way to survive in this life. Ah, praise God. All right. They're afraid of you, so they didn't ask questions. Praise God. Did you enjoy that session? Let's appreciate Pastor M. Praise God. She always does like, she doesn't like to speak, but when she gets on it, she... She blesses us. And I heard Wednesday service was off the whole. <laughs> Those of you that are in midweek services, you have to let people that are not coming know that they missed. 
All right, so do postings, do videos, do something. Let the people that, that didn't come. And those in your departments, so let them know that they missed. All right, for DCC, uh, midweek services are a culture for us. They're a culture. We don't play with it because that's when we have real church. Sunday celebration service, praise God. And um, what I learned from this session is basically you need all the temperaments in a department. So you need to look out for your people. Sometimes go and import some people. You need all that. The sanguine gives us energy and makes us happy while working. The phlegmatic is stable. It gives the department stability. has no power to leave. has no power to do anything. It's just there. <laughs> keeps doing the work. The melancholy gives us order, gives us discipline, planning. Uh, the choleric drives us. So we need all of them. We need all of them. So great one. Let's appreciate her one more time. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're about to close. Before I do that, um, we have a resident pastor now. I mean, an assistant resident pastor for the mainland church now. So I want to introduce him. Uh, please help me welcome Pastor Wale Fire me.